0: Well, great to be here. A lot of, a lot of good announcements. Um, you know, we're going to talk today about a topic that, if you're human, you can relate to, it's about making decisions, and God's way. Now, now, in the title even, it's fairly loaded, because if you can think about it, how we make decisions can be on our own or can be... God's way. And so i got to ask you and think about this. Have you made decisions in your life your own way? Of course. We all have. Have you made decisions in your life where you really feel like you were following God and you did it God's way? There's big decisions, there's small decisions, there's decisions all through our lives. I wish that I had had an opportunity to have someone sit me down and consider some of the things we're going to talk about this morning when I was a young 14-year-old kid who was a new Christian. I wish I had heard this as I was moving through high school. I wish I had thought through this when I was in college. I wish I would have thought through this when I was in my 20s and 30s and 40s. I won't date myself, so I'll stop right there. (laughs) The thing is, as a Christian, we can, we can grow, we can mature, and the, and the good news is that God blesses us, God's with us, and He rolls with us even as we kind of progress. I want to make a couple points here that this discussion today will kind of fall into two buckets. One will be around the fact that making decisions is about a mind shift, It's a mental thing. There's something we have to do in terms of how we look at things. The other side of this will be making decisions in a practical way. So we'll talk about some very practical things that you could do in any kind of decision you're facing, particularly big decisions, but in small ones as well. But there's two pieces here. And to kind of set the stage, even before I go through the real text, which will be out of Proverbs 3, I lay the foundation with Proverbs 3, the first 12 verses, I want to set the stage even further, with some verses from Proverbs 1 and Proverbs 2. Just to set the stage of what was going on here, this was Solomon, King Solomon, son of David, the second son of David and Bathsheba, who became a very, very, very wise guy, wise man, passing down, locked this stuff down in writing, and is passing on this wisdom for all human history. So I'll just read this. You might just look at, if you want, look at chapter 1, and we'll flip over to chapter 2, then we'll focus on the text in chapter 3. But just, I'll just read this to you. Just the first few verses. Proverbs chapter 1. The Proverbs of Solomon, son of David, king of Israel, that men may know wisdom and instruction, understand words of insight, Receive instruction in wise dealing, righteousness, justice, and equity, that prudence may be given to the simple, knowledge and discretion to the youth. The wise man also may hear an increase in learning, and a man of understanding acquires skill, to understand a proverb and a figure, the words of the wise and their riddles. This chapter 1. And in chapter 2, he starts out like this. My son... Because he's speaking to his son. He's passing wisdom like good fathers do. My son, if you receive my words and treasure up my commandments with you, making your ear attentive to wisdom and inclining your heart to understanding, yes, if you cry out for insight and raise your voice for understanding, if you seek it like silver and search for it as for hidden treasures, then you will understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of Of God. For the Lord gives wisdom. From his mouth come knowledge and understanding. He stores up sound wisdom for the upright. He is a shield to those who walk in integrity, guarding the paths of justice and preserving the way of his saints. Then you will understand righteousness and justice and equity, every good path. A lot of stuff there. But essentially it's about how we come and how we understand, and that's what we're going to talk about this morning, and we'll give you some practical things as well. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you for this morning. I thank you for your word. I thank you how it has been documented through your wisdom that you've passed on to your people, your prophets. We have it in your word, it's been revealed to us. Lord, we pray that this morning your spirit will be here, that we will have open hearts, open minds to take in and challenge ourselves as we consider how we make decisions your way. That we not feel judged about how we've made decisions in the past our way. Lord, you are the great God of the workaround. You make all things good. Lord, you bless us, you forgive us, you move in us. If we seek you, you show up. And for any decisions we're facing us now, or even some that we've had in the past that we may lament. Lord, we ask for your forgiveness, we ask for your blessings. we ask for your encouragement, and we ask for your life and spirit within us to move forward boldly into a future that walks with you very closely. We thank you, and we praise you, and pray all this in Christ's name, amen. All right. Have you made a decision that's big? Have you made a career decision? Have you made a relationship decision? We all have. I've had this image in my mind for years, decades even, that it's an image of of the continents of the of the world, all dark but that there's lights all around it. And that the Holy Spirit, that God, there's like a light, there's like a spirit shadow moving over this darkness, but look, moving over these lights that are all around it, all around these continents. And as you zeroed in, in my mind's eye, what I see is at the top of these lights, actually it's people. And what it is, the light's emitting from the tops of their heads. And the Holy Spirit's moving over and looking for the lights that are shining. And the lights are people. The lights are people that are dialed in, that are really walking very, very closely with God. And really are receptive. And it actually maps to a verse in Scripture where it says the Holy Spirit moves and hovers and looks for people that are committed to Him. The problem is there's not that many lights out there. In this picture, there's not as many lights as one would think. But they're there nonetheless. you can pop up, Andrew. When we speak of our commitment to God in the context of making good decisions that are aligned with Him deeply... Even Jesus himself, when he's asked the question by the Pharisees as to what's the number one commandment, he says this in Matthew and Mark, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength. That's a commandment. That's the number one that Jesus says. That we are to be dialed in deeply. Not just this intellectual assent to say, okay, yeah, I get it, I believe, yeah, go Jesus, now I'm going to do my life. This is serious commitment, is what Jesus, out of his own words, is saying. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your strength, all, all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. There's a lot of stuff going on there. So again, the vision of the hovering of the Holy Spirit actually comes out of Chronicles, the 16th chapter, or Second, uh, second Chronicles 16, chapter, verse 9, where it says the, if, uh, the eyes of the Lord range throughout the earth to strengthen those whose hearts are fully committed to him. Now you notice that's part A. There's a part B to this. You have done foolishly in this from now on. For, for, from now on you will have wars. You know what's going on there? That's King Asa. He's a good guy. If you look at him, you know, there's always good guys and bad guys. He did good in the eyes of the Lord, or he did evil in the eyes of the Lord. Many, many people did evil in the eyes of the Lord as kings. King Asa was one of the guys who has the label of being good, did good in the eyes of the Lord. He was the king of Judah for several decades. Toward the end of his life, he gets this written up about him. So he did a lot of good things, however, kind of messed up. And he gets, he gets docked for it. He dies shortly afterwards. Good guy, but makes a bad move. God calls him out. Still, I'm sure he's with God in heaven. However, we make mistakes. Even the best of us make mistakes. But God's looking for people that are committed to him. Now, let's look at the text for today. This is the full text of Proverbs 1 through 12. If you look at the handout that you have in your handouts today, you'll see this all called out, but particularly this verse passage actually highlights, and I haven't read here, a very, very famous passage that all of us love and have heard, and for many of us, it might be our favorite passage. It has been mine for years. This whole one in the middle, buried in there, trust in the Lord with all your heart, lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, submit to him and he will make your path straight. We hear that all the time. Let's read through the context of all of this and we'll break it down. And then we'll end up with some practical things out of this. Again, Solomon, this is now chapter 3. He's already laid out the stuff about wisdom and knowledge and knowledge. He's talking to his son. My son, do not forget my teaching. Solomon has been given wisdom from God directly. But keep my commands in your heart, for they will prolong your life many years and bring you peace and prosperity. Let love and faithfulness never leave you. Bind them around your neck. Write them on the tablet of your heart. Then you will win favor and a good name in the sight of God and man. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. And lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways submit to him, and he will make straight your paths. Do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and shun evil. This will bring health to your body and nourishment to your bones. Honor the Lord. With your wealth, with the first fruits of all your crops. Then you will your barns will be filled to overflowing, and your vats will brim over with new wine. My son, do not despise the Lord's discipline, and do not resent his rebukes. His rebuke, because the Lord disciplines those he loves. As a father, the son he delights in. there's a lot going on there but again what does that have to do with making decisions actually plenty in your lifetime you have made many decisions i want you to think of something you've done in terms of a college decision a relationship decision a location a house a renting decision career decision there's lots of things that we're making decisions on all the time. Right? How are we really doing that? Most of us, even as Christians, take these things to God. And a lot of times it's simply, God, help me make the right decision. That works, right? Or we think it is, but we can do perhaps more than that. Help me not to make a wrong decision. Help me to help this to work out. Help this to work out the way I want it to work out. I want to get into that school. I want this job. Lord, help me get this. Help me to do good in the interview. Help me to do this. Help this to work out. Help them to do that. That's how we pray. Can you relate to any of these scenarios? Susan was thriving in her work. But the workload and the long commute were putting pressure on her marriage, and she carried the burden of guilt with her children spending too much time in daycare. She wondered if she should make a change. She asked her Christian friends to pray for her and pray for things to calm down at work and that the upcoming getaway with her husband would help revive their marriage. Lewis got the follow-up call from the recruiter with the offer to go to a competitor a competitive firm, handling essentially the same sales territory, but with a significantly higher compensation plan. He told his church men's group that he really needed prayer to help with the decision. Eileen was considering leaving the state and moving to live closer to her sister across the country. She'd sell the house and rent for a while, Maybe by, if she got the job transfer that she was thought she could pull off, she also thought she could benefit from getting a whole new range of change of scenery and meet new people. Maybe finally find someone with the same faith and values as herself. She was so frustrated with the few men she met here. John wanted to launch the startup firm, but struggled with which person to hire as his key technology co-founder. He wasn't even sure the timing was right yet to leave his regular job. He sought advice from various marketplace leaders he knew, some of whom were Christians. Samantha and Jeff were, are they considering the timing of starting their family? Samantha was ready to leave her job and but she and Jeff wanted to save up a bit more to buy a house first. Jeff was pretty adamant that they should also have several months of saving in the bank, savings in the bank after buying a home so they'd have some financial cushion. They asked their small group from church to pray for them. It's real life. All of us have been in common situations like this or know people or have been asked to pray for people in these kind of situations or have lived this ourselves. It's a very demanding area here in the Silicon Valley, right? A lot of decisions are big. They have huge implications on our lives and on our family, even for generations. But in these scenarios, everyone's praying. Everyone's asking people to pray. We're in Christian circles. We're, we're praying, we're asking, and that's a good thing, isn't it? Sure it is. But there's something, there's something missing here. It may be lost on many in general, in the marketplace, but God is seemingly in the mix in the scenarios I just read. But there's something I would say is off. It's, in many cases, what I call the help me prayer. And that is, a lot of us, when it comes to decisions, we're making what we call the help me prayer. Lord, help me. Lord, I want this and that. If I can get that, that'd be great. But Lord, if I can get that, that'd be great. But Lord, help me get that, because I want that. It's okay to petition God for things, but a lot of us are seeking things that in our mind work for our benefit, or what we think is good. We do want things, and it's okay, and we're told we can come to God with anything. And so we do that, and that's okay. But I think there's more to it. A lot of it is out of our own inclinations and desires, which are not a bad thing but a lot of them are selfish in our desires, and we want God to work it out. We've all done it. And we think that, after all, God is a God of love, so why doesn't he cut me some slack and get me what I want? Because, hey, I've been going to church, well, maybe two out of four times. Hey, I even write some checks once in a while. Hey, I'm trying to be a nice guy. I know I haven't read the Bible every day, but I'm trying. I'm busy. We have a lot of this justification in our mind of what's going on or what we think a good Christian is. So therefore, I'm doing this so God, come through for me and my big requirement, my big need. Help me in this big decision to work this out. Before we get to some practical things, let's go back to the text and let's break it down. I've broken down the first 12 chapters into four clusters, or three, three clusters of four verses. The first batch is Proverbs, Proverbs 3, verses 1 through 4. Let's read this, and I've highlighted a few words to kind of help up, kind of leap off the page for you. My son, do not forget my teaching, but keep my commands in your heart. For they will prolong your life many years and bring you peace and prosperity. Let love and faithfulness never leave you. Bind them around your neck. Write them on the tablet of your heart. Then you will win favor and a good name in the sight of God and men. I'm going to say that making good decisions, having it done God's way, is tied to this passage in Proverbs. Let's look at this. This first part I would label know God's way. We need to understand God's teaching. We need to know his way. If we're going to be making decisions God's ways, we need to know his way. He's laid it out here. Don't forget God's teaching. That implies we have to know God's teaching, not let alone forget it. We have to study God's teaching. We have to know what he's saying. We have to be into his teaching to understand it. This is Solomon's words to his son, therefore also to all of us. This is God telling Solomon, who has full knowledge, this is the deal. We are told we need to know this stuff. We can't just get good things and petition God. We have to know God's way. Keep it in our heart. We have to kind of in our head, we have to know it here. It has to be part of us. Deep in our soul and our gut, we need to kind of get it. It needs to be part and visceral in us. That's more than just, oh yeah, no, I, I read the Bible once in a while. It impacts our life. For they will prolong your life many years, bring you peace, prosperity. This is God saying, actually, this is going to impact... Your life. God wants good things. Now, it doesn't mean it's going to make you rich. It doesn't mean it's just everything's going to be perfect. It just says there's blessings. There's goodness. God has good things. And we're here for a temporal time. This is a setup for eternity. But in this life, we can get this. Out of our life that walks with God comes love and faithfulness. And actually, can we walk with a reputation among men as well as with God? Favor with God as well as amongst men. That's the first part. So these teachings shall be, should be etched in our hearts and minds. If we do this, then peace and blessings arise in this life. The resulting life reflecting love and faithfulness will be seen favorably by fellow men. So I summarize that in the handout there that you have for that one. Let's go to the second one. Let's read this verse. Chapter 3, verses 5 through 8. Trust in the Lord. This is the one, our favorite one. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. May not on your own understanding in all your ways submit to Him. He will make your path straight. Do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord. Shun evil. This will bring health to your body and nourishment to your bones. I would label this trust God's way. Trust God's way. And if you break this down, trust or fear God, not afraid, but fear is to be awestruck. I trust, and I'm awestruck. I revere God. I understand who He is and who I'm not. I shun evil. We're in the midst of evil. I know an awesome God. I need to shun evil, and I need to move this direction. That's the constant struggle in life. I don't want to. Tr- I want to trust God, and not lean on my own understanding. That is, I'm a pretty smart guy, we're all pretty smart people, we can figure stuff out pretty well, however I can't do it that way. I need to bring some of that, but I need to ultimately say, you know what, um, God, what do I do? Not lean on my own understanding, but actually lean on God and take my direction. Nothing wrong with doing the pros and cons in the analysis. In fact, as we'll find out, it's okay for some of that. However, it's about submission. Submitting all this to God and lean on Him. Submit it all to God. That is, I've done this. I figured this out. But God, you know what? I'm done. You take this. You figured it out. You help me. I don't want. I don't know what to do. You, you've got to lead me. God will guide us. He will make the path straight. A lifetime of walking with God is little fits and starts like this. It's not going really sideways very often. Once we start dialing into God, it's just it's little things like that because He's telling you which way to go. And when you look back, the whole path is ultimately straight. There's not the sideways trips to Moab, as I would say. Good results, good things come out of this. Health, nourishment, pretty strong. So summary, trust and fear God, even shun evil. Do not depend on your own wisdom, understanding of any situation, all these things, submit your authority to God. Let Him direct and guide you to good results. Let's look at the third one. Proverbs 3, 9 to 12. This last cluster of verses is, Honor the Lord with your wealth. And the first fruits. Cain and Abel? Cain got busted because he didn't deliver the first fruits. He was kind of cheap. Abel did deliver first fruits. Cain got jealous, killed him. That's where the idea of first fruits first comes out. First fruits. Give your best. Honor the Lord with your wealth and the first fruits of all your crops. Then your barns will be filled to overflowing and your vats will brim over with. New wine. My son, do not despise the Lord's discipline, implying there's some discipline often. Do not resent his rebuke. The Lord will crack back on us sometimes. Look at all the heroes of the Bible. There's some real slap downs going on sometimes. It's okay. It happens. We're human. God is doing things in us. Just like children. You crack back on, I've cracked back a few times on my son Brian there over there. And it's okay, they turn out all right. Uh, Because the Lord disciplines those He loves as a father, the son, He delights in. Now, you look at, I would label this, honor God's way. Know God's way, trust God's way, now honor God's way. In a sense, devote ourselves to God's way. Honor God. With our first fruits, overwhelming fruit results is what God tells us. Be aware of God's discipline. He's correcting us. He's guiding us. He's nurturing us, developing us as we would young children. He loves us. The ultimate thing here is God loves us overwhelmingly. Like a father. He loves us like a child. Like like we're a child. And we are. So therefore, as I said at the beginning, no guilt here. Whatever bad decisions, God is the God of the workarounds. There's forgiveness. There's second and third chances. We would wish that we would do it right all the time, but of course we're human. And as we look at the scriptures, there's mistakes all over the place. But God is a God of love, and he loves us dearly. So with that, we should honor God with our first fruits. That is our best output. It's all his. We'll be overwhelmed with the good fruit and the results of that. And we should remember that God loves us like a child. So that any hardships may be like discipline and rebuke from a loving parent. Never forget that he loves us. So so with that, you might think, okay, okay, I get this. I want to be more devoted. I want to trust him more. I do believe but it's almost like if, if we were one of those that maybe we saw things, if we saw the miracles of Moses, if we saw how God dealt with Abraham and what came out of that. If we heard actual personal testimony, let's say Daniel, or if we heard Isaiah and we could see what was going on, if we saw this stuff for our own with our own eyes, it would be overwhelming. We would say, you know what, i I'm, I'm all in. I definitely Follow this. If we saw just Jesus heal one person live, if we were in the crowd and we watched the the loaves and the bread multiply to 5,000, we'd go, oh my goodness, this is the guy. I'm I'm all in. There would be no hesitation, no doubt. We would say everything God is yours. I'm, I'm all in. Right? And of course, for the people that were eyewitnesses to that, all they were, and that's how the church grew from a handful of people to millions all the world over the centuries, that's changed the world. But we today, we haven't been the eyewitnesses, we only have the documentation here. We only have the living Holy Spirit that has actually transformed our lives or seen it around us. And we've been under good teaching to see this. So as we understand this, as we believe it, as we want and desire to follow him. We have some real practical decisions to make when we're confronted with choices, when we're confronted with desires that want our desires to be fulfilled and we yearn and we take it to God, but we have to be open to what he wants to do with us. Let's look at it this way. If you summarize on the left side here, know God's way, trust God's way, honor God's way. We could say that the keys to making big or small decisions can be summarized in these three ways submit yourself and your alternatives, your options. To God. Wait. We've heard that a lot. Wait upon the Lord. Hard to do. And then resubmit your options. Again, tough to do. If you look at the handout, I'll break that down a little bit for you. that we have to understand that God has great plans for us, and he wants to do things through us, through his church, through his people. He wants people that are spirit-led, that go, you know what, God, I'm yours today. What are we doing today? I got that meeting at 10. I got that go over here. I got to show up at work over here. I got this. I got this. I got this. Lord, be with me in all interactions. Be with me today. Lord, I've got to make a decision on something here. I got this coming up. I got this coming up. And by the way, my wife and I got this and this coming up. How do we do this? We've got to allow some time to, to take that, not in quick little arrow prayers, but time where we can say, Lord, how do we do this stuff? Help us. So we say number one here is to submit yourself. Like a living sacrifice, Romans 12 tells us, present yourself a living sacrifice, for this is your spiritual worship. It's, it's a worshipful act to take yourself and say, God, I'm yours. Be clear of any biases that you bring to the situation. It's okay to say, Lord, I want this. I want this so badly. Think of what Jesus did in Gethsemane. Lord, take this cup. If there's another way to do this, I don't have to do it this way. This is going to be bad. If there's another way, Lord, do it, then ultimately, you know what? Lord, your will, not mine. Christ in his full humanness, Christ in his full godliness was played out there. It's an amazing thing. The whole mindset of prayer ought to be at this point is, is, Lord, God, I'm done. I'm done. You do this. Let this decision be all about you. God, what do you want in my life? It's not my will, but yours. I give it up to you. So that's what I mean by submit all my options. God, I could do this. I could do this. I could do this. I want to do this. But Lord, your call. You help me. You figure it out. Because if you want me here, I, you, I do not want to be over here, even though I want to be here. If you really want me over there, I don't want to do that. I want to be here. You lay it out, play it out. I'm done. That's the mindset. That's how we got to come to God in prayer and let the stuff go. That's the submit. The wait for the Lord, that's hard. But we need to wisely consider the options. We need to wisely consider the alternatives. We need to wait. We need to listen. We need to even stop sometimes before we leap and plunge into it with what feels good or hey, it looks like everything's fallen in place. Yep, yeah, yep, yeah, oh, it's a no no-brainer. I'm there. Let's be careful with that. We do it all the time. Got to be careful. I waited, Psalm 40. I waited patiently for the Lord. He turned to me and heard my cry. Sometimes the path, the right path comes with patience. Also in my life, what I've learned with this one is uh there's been points in my career where, where I have sought the advice of wise counsel. Older men, older Christian men. And what I'd learn about Christian men is that uh we all have good intentions. But at very important you take any 10 Christian men wise businessmen and you take any 10 wise Christian men out of pluck them out of any church body and you line them up and you interview them, you talk to them you will find probably some percentage of those guys are not walking as closely with God as you would think or would hope or would expect and so when you seek advice from guys like that who are good big guys in the church you hear things and and, it, and you might be Persuaded, like, wow, that guy said that. Ooh, he's a big guy. So I guess I should do it because that's a wise guy. And when you look underneath it, it's like, you know what? That is a man's human thinking. I would be a fool to follow the advice of a man's human thinking. I want to follow the advice of godly men who are walking under the Spirit of God and influence, and walking every day with God, not with wise, wealthy men who seem to be big but actually are not walking with God as they should. That's not harsh. That's reality. We need to be seeking counsel of wise people walking deeply with God. And what I have found in my experience is actually when I seek out several people, I find actually in a case of ten, actually it was nine. I talked to nine, three of them were just amazingly deep and solid. And 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 it was an eye-opener for me because I thought they were all deep and solid. Six were a little light, a little fluffy telling me go into this mike do like hmm these guys these three out of nine were deep the way they approached it were spirit-led guys awesome those are the people you want so we have to be careful when we seek counsel and we're waiting on god and we're seeking advice be careful who you're talking to just because the guy's a christian doesn't mean or gal doesn't mean woman doesn't mean that they're uh it's the perfect perfect wisdom then the last one is to resubmit your option that is after i've done my due diligence i looked at some stuff i talked to some people i prayed about it i waited on it I, I've, I've listened tried to listen what is god telling me what's happening what doors are opening being open and shut as i pursue things something opens up and i take it to god i'm going to resubmit to god it seems like it's moving in this direction god if i'm wrong on that, you got to shut it down because I'm, I'm going to take a step i'm going to do this i'm going to move forward but if that's not right shut it down Close the door. Shut the window. I'm going here. Help me. Shut it down if it's not right. If that door stays open after that kind of earnest prayer, then there's indications that keep it going, keep it going, and I'm going to keep going until it shuts down because that is a daily exercise as you're working through things. When you do that, you're giving God and the Spirit of God an opportunity to shut things down or to open it up and say, no, man, that, that thing is opening up. Go for it then you know you're walking in God's ways. I've had many opportunities when I was not operating this way, as I'm talking. I would operate under the way of what I would say is uh, powered by Mike. And, uh, And actually somewhere along the way, when I was young, I got this idea, I learned from some Christian business guy, but this mentality, and it was like, make a decision and then make it the right decision. It's literally the, the thing this guy taught me, and I love that. Make a decision, and then make it the right decision. So I learned that as a little 24-year-old dumb kid. And I'm listening, i was like, "Hey, oh, yeah, I like that. That's going to be my thing. I'm going to make a decision. I'm making the right decision. I like that. I mean, I've always been in the sales and the business world. That's a very aggressive stance. It works. Make a decision, plow through it, make it work, right? That's how a lot of us approach things. That's very non-Christian, if you think about it. It's not biblical. What is that? That's that's not what God's telling us. God's telling us to trust him, take it to him. I wasn't taking stuff to him. I'd go, that's my call. I want to do that. I'm going to make that happen. Now, the good news is God can still work around things, still work with us in our foolishness. And he blesses us. He loves us. It's like looking at us like a child going, Mike, what are you doing? But it works out. Because ultimately, I came to a, a better understanding of how of how this works, of how God works, and the Spirit of God works. We don't want to do it that way. It reminds me of kind of like the old show that's been around, It'll date you. Remember the old uh, Let's Make a Deal show? Where the people have the three choices and the, and the curtains and the door number one, door number two, and door number three. We... And, and maybe door number one has been revealed a little bit and it's, you know, it looks like it could be some type of trip or something. And so you think, well, that could be really good. But door number two and three are closed off. And, and then the people are looking for the response from the crowd. So they go and are shut door number one, door number two. And and, and the person's trying to decide. And I'm going to pick door number three. Everyone claps. And you find out the trip, the number one was a trip to the, you know, to Hawaii or something. Door number two was, was a car, and and door number three was a a donkey. You know, it was just a bus. It was a disaster, right? And so it's the wrong decision, and then people are going, jeez, that's how it is in life sometimes, where we have these choices, we make these decisions, and it's the donkey, and then we're going, you know, God, what's the deal? I prayed, I prayed. What happened? And we end up being angry with God. We're not understanding what he's telling us here. We don't have that kind of walk and relationship, we're just going superficially through things. If you study decision making with man's way and look at all the books, what you'll see is we get up here is a variety of step by step ways to make decisions. If you want to make good business decisions, good decisions, good type of analytical things, you, you identify, you clarify your options. You gather information, you study the data. You evaluate, you brainstorm solutions. You select an alternative, and then you implement the decision, and then you monitor and adjust as you move forward. That's the way the world works. It works. It's a powerful way to kind of go step-by-step step and kind of make good business decisions on anything. You can apply it to your life. Man's way. God's way. What's God's way? Well, I would say maintain that the first, that, that the first three bullets here are actually spot on. You want to identify and clarify your options. A lot, you know, I, I got to look at what are my alternatives. It's a fair game to open study it up. Gather information, study. Evaluate. It's okay to fair mind to put your good minds to work and kind of evaluate the pros and cons and all that. Right? But here's what I would inject God's way. Then at that point, I'm gonna submit myself and my options. Lord, I've done my homework, Lord, I got this and this. I got I got all the stuff I got a lot of things that, boy, this one looks really good. It's yours. I'm done. You help me. I'm gonna submit. I'm going to wait give me some feedback, Lord. I'll wait as long as you you tell me. Or if I need to move my next Monday, I need to take a step here. But Lord, I'm going to take that step, but you've got to shut this thing down if it's not right. And then I'm going to resubmit as I move forward, constantly going through that cycle. And as I get the validation and I get the the affirmation to go, I do it. And then I, I can select an alternative and implement a decision and then monitor and adjust. So essentially good business practices of making decisions can are, are are workable they're good however you want to inject god's way and the world does not look does not work that way the world does not do prayer meetings before major decisions are made but we whether we're CEOs whether we're directors whether we're managers or whether we're workers in any environment we can work God's way, or running families or households, and doing it this way. I had um, I had three friends that, within a couple of weeks, called me, and they were asking. It was all kind of career advice decisions, and uh, all, all in different places in their careers. And, uh, it was interesting, just over a couple of weeks, boom, 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 three different scenarios. And they're all very similar. Similar to what we've been talking about and how they were approaching it. Good, good, good Christian people with good intentions. But they were like, hey, you know, pray for me. I'm trying to do this and I really want to do this. And, and they had done some homework on this and that and they were looking at some things. And what I told them, I said, are you, um, I hear what you're saying. Sounds interesting. Sounds pretty, sounds pretty good. Um, it looks like you've done your homework on that. And I said, um, but are you prepared for the fact that what you are moving toward and the way you're thinking this through, are you prepared for the fact that it may be completely bogus and wrong? You may be really, really off base. And it kind of throttled him back a little bit. I said, well, you know, well, I guess. But it was like, whoa, what do you mean? I said, And I took him through some of the stuff. I said, um, what I'm hearing from you is a lot of what you're looking for, what you want. You've done some good stuff. And I said, it may very well be what God wants. However, where is God in this? And I said, well, well, I'm, I'm, I'm praying. So I challenged him on that. I said, how are you really praying? Well, I mean, I, you know, I got my study group praying for me. My wife and I were praying about it just, just, just the other week. And I challenged them, not to put judgment on them, but just to say, and this is because I know what we do. We talk ourselves into things. And what I wanted to, and what I got through to them was that, you know what, I I need to get on my knees. They all concluded, they need to get on their knees and resubmit this to God and say, you know, God, I really want this. However, God, you know what, your will, not mine. And a very deliberate letting go of this situation and holding it up to God. And in a couple of situations it worked out as they had wanted. Another one took a turn. And there was another one where, where a guy got laid off and he was just really struggling. A friend of mine, he was a very talented guy and, uh, took him through some of this, this logic of thinking and, and it was fascinating watching him go through it over several, next several months and he ended up with this process, eliminating things that actually look really good. His wife got real excited about some of them. But it, And then he waited, and then it turns out something came that was really good. And the thing is, I think that's what God does with us. There's always, I think we make decisions sometimes, and and, and God's like going, oh, man. All right. Do what you want to do there. And it doesn't mean He's he abandons us. But it's like, like I say, He's a God with the God of the work around, and He can be there, and He can work and turn anything into good. So it's like it's not the end of the world. But I think there always is. There is a better way. There is a God's way. So if you recall, several weeks ago, when I did a talk on the parable of the sower, and I, and I mentioned that what God did for me, writing down 280, and gave me these two verses. Out of the blue, out of context, when I had just simply prayed, God, in my naivete, God, what does this deployment mean? What is? It? I was struggling with this idea. Of what did God really want us to do? And these two verses popped in my head within a mile, within San Hill Road and Miramonte, on driving south on two eighty. It's like a couple of miles. One was the parable of the sower. I thought, what? What does that have to do with this? The second one was John 15, the I Am Divine passage. And as we kind of broke down, the whole thing was that the four soils were the responses to God, and ultimately we want to be in the fourth soil, deep, kind of like Proverbs here, deep abiding walk with God so that it just kind of immersed, immersed in it. That's where we want to be. And out of that comes fruit because we're connected to the vine, and the vine is Jesus, and Jesus is the vine, and out of that in the Spirit flows good fruit and I'll close with a similar story that happened about a year later in the context of making decisions and it happened on 280 again there's something about 280 I had at that point it was 17, 18 years ago it was just before or just after 9-11 9-11 and the dot-com debacle when I was with a company that was boom, 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 and blew up. And instead of just jumping around getting another job, I felt God's nudge. And, boy, it scared Debbie. It scared me, but that's, I just felt so strong. I was like, put up my own, start my own business. And I had been, always been in the sales management world. And so I was like, start my own business to kind of consult and, and, drive, and do it. And I thought, okay, are you kidding? I, said, I, I didn't really want to but it was a strong nudge. So I told Debbie, I said, I'm, I'm, instead of in, in a down, down economy, I'm going to start try to start my own business. It was scary. We had, you know, oldest moving in, going to, next year, going to just start in college, and we had two more kids coming after that, so it was, didn't make a lot of sense in a down economy. But that's the way God works sometimes. So we took what we what called Leap of Faith and started this, this business. And it was it was scary. And in the first quarter... I just did a couple of little deals, and I and I started wondering. Did I hear that right? Did I hear the nudge right, God? And Debbie was concerned, and she was like, you know, more than whispering in my ear, Mike, get a real job. (laughs) And and I thought, Debbie, okay, yeah, I don't know, maybe. But in my mind, I thought I got to give this a little more time. So I was driving on two eighty, coming from a meeting, and it was one of these where I said, and I was driving, praying to God. Like I'd done before, but this time I'm praying, God, I don't know what to do. Maybe I heard you wrong. Eyes open, God, I don't. Maybe I heard you wrong. You've got to give me a sign. And in my mind back then, in my native day, I thought you couldn't even do that. I thought there was something illegal about asking God for a sign. But I said, God, uh, I need a sign. I need something to show me that I'm doing the right thing. Otherwise, I gotta maybe I'll go get a new job. Maybe I heard this whole thing wrong. Amen. Well, no, I, I did. I did one thing. I asked one more. I, I put a little qualifier on. It. I said, "God, um, I need to know by the end of the quarter." <laughs> I said, "God, you know, here was early March." I said, "God, if, if you could let me, please, if you could, if you could make this real clear to me by the end of the quarter, and I can make a jump on this." Amen. Go home. Debbie's at the table doing the bills, real concerned. And and I said, "Debbie, I prayed, I gave it to God, and I'm like, in fact, I told God." I'm, I'm, I'm going to give this until the end of the quarter, and we'll see what happens. She looked at me like, oh, okay. So I go up to my office and sit there. Within 20 minutes, I got this email. I called this guy. The email came out of the blue. It was a reference thing. guy calls me. I talked to this guy. his local company, and he says, uh, Mike, I heard about you. I heard you could do some things. Can you come in and do some things for our team? We need something. uh But... But we need, here's the problem. We need it quick, here's the I need it by the end of the quarter. Literally, same on the phone. And I go, um, yeah, okay. By the way, the next day I was there, cut the deal with him, and, and, I, and we did a deal. And that had some huge implications when, what went on in my career after that. But that was that. I hung up the phone. I go, that was weird. Fifteen minutes later, I got another email from a guy in Chicago. Call this guy up. Hey, Mike, heard about you. I'm I'm with a company out in Burlingame, but uh I uh we need some stuff and but but I heard you could do this. But Mike, here's the deal. I need it done by the end of the quarter. I tell you, I, I literally wept at my desk. Because I was thinking, are you kidding? I said, God, I think. think i got my sign that's how god works it's it's an amazing thing when you let go and you come to him he comes to you and he like gives you things i tell you it's amazing to do life that way it's scary it doesn't make sense sometimes when you talk to people around you but it's a better way it's God's way. And making decisions where you, and even in my naivete back then, the way I submitted that was just, I, I gotta do this. And I even had some qualifiers to that. But look what God did. So, in the handouts, the, uh, I just, you can finish that out. The, uh, what I've left you with is, um, The next one. Go ahead all the way through as we wrap up. Is to remember that in these decisions that we make, that ultimately it's God that's the goal, not our desire to become a dentist or an architect or to retire in Montana or to do this or that it's God's the goal. God's the doer. We're the vessel, but God's the doer. He manages time, not me. And I wait for him. He makes the move and I'll wait for him. And I'm looking for that move from him. It's a good way to think about this. And the last thing I left you on the, in the handouts is something where I've written it all up and, and uh, go ahead and just play it out. Um, uh, there's six points. So when you face that proverbial fork in the road of good choices, how to step through, and it reiterates some of the things we talked about. Um, in the bottom of your handouts, you'll see I'm highlighting. This is from a, a blog post, blog site that I write at um, what I call biblicalviewpoint.com, and you can read up the details of this It supports this. In fact, if you just go to the search and write in decision making, you'll get a variety of different kind of points that I've reiterated here and today about this whole process of working through these various scenarios of decision-making at biblicalviewpoint.com. Let's, um, let's close out and let's pray. Lord, I thank you again for your hand in our lives. Lord, you're the great judge, and Lord, you're so patient with us. As we move in our growth and development and our desire to follow you, Lord, there is a deeper, deeper, better, better way And we want to follow that way, Lord, and you're patient as we move through that path to walk more deeply with you. We thank you for what you've done to date in our lives. We thank you for what you're going to do, and we submit ourselves to you going forward in ways that will be a blessing to those around us and to generations and a blessing to your kingdom through your church. We thank you. Praise all this. Pray all this in Christ's name. Amen.